Well, good afternoon. It's great to be with you. It's great we have this time together to worship, you know, uh, because of travel times of several people. This works out really well for us to be able to have Bible class worship, pig out, and then have another worship service. And I got to keep it. it we're going to have to cut back on the carbs if I start noticing you dozing and take away dessert. So, no, <laughs> or we got to stand up, one of the two. Uh, maybe next week I'll try me sitting down and preaching while you stand up and listen. <clears throat> no, uh, you know, it is great to be a Christian and what a blessing it is to be able to uh, come together and worship. I just, God, he's just has all wisdom and I'm just so thankful that he uh, blesses us and, and his desires. He wants us to be blessed, both physically and spiritually. And, you know, we thank God for the physical blessings we have as individuals. We thank God for the physical blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon us as the church here in Franklin County. Uh, that is so good. Uh, probably the next couple of weeks, it won't be as dirty for the cleanup crew because this paint on the wall has to be on the wall a couple of days before we curtain paper it off to spray the ceiling. So we probably won't, you won't see much changing over the next few weeks, but I can't hurry up drying time. So anyway, that's just how that works. Um, but we've been talking a little bit over on Sunday afternoons about joy or rejoicing. And this passage is rather interesting one to me. Uh, when you go to verse 2 of Philippians 2, Paul says this, Make my joy complete. So I think about that. He's telling us that I can do something to help you to be more joyful, and you can do something to help me to be more joyful. Now, before we even look at that verse, if you'll just look down to the end of what Dustin read for us, in verses 3 and 4, he says, do nothing from selfishness. And then in verse 4, it says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests. If you're selfish, you're not concerned about anybody else's joy. And you've heard this before. It comes from Acts 20 and verse 35. It's more blessed to give than receive. What's that mean? Well, if you think it's more blessed than give to you receive, you get the blessing you give to me and I'll receive it. No, but that's a, a lot of people are selfish, aren't they? They just, it's what they can get out of it. You know, I think about that at worship. I think about coming together today. Now, I know I'm going to get something out of it. I know I'm going to get that just by seeing you and being with you and being able to see what's important to you and it's what's important to me. But I didn't come here today just for what I'm going to get out of it. I came here today because I want to contribute. I want to be part of it. I'm, I, I'm one of them people, I'm not too, I can go to things, but I want to be a participant, not a spectator. So when I was playing football, I really enjoyed it. Even when I was coaching football, I really enjoyed it. But then when you just got to sit in the stands, it kind of takes the fun out. Well, when you're not playing it, you don't get to hear the wind get knocked out of people. That's the funnest noise in the world when you play football, to hear someone go, you know, you just like that noise because, you know, you flat put a hit on somebody. But that's just how it is. So, you know, you're going to lose that. But, no, you think about it. In the church, we want to be, be part of it, right? We don't. Too many people just want to figure out how do I sit in the cheap seats and not get too involved. So I think about that. When we come together, we need to think about one another, don't we? When we live our lives as Christians, we need to think about, I've listened to some of you through times bring certain dishes because you know someone else had mentioned they really would like that dish. 
Well, it might not be your favorite dish. And then some of you are mean and bring mashed potatoes and stuff. But anyway, don't. No, that's okay. Someone else loves it. Now, I don't even care if you bring liver and onions, but don't be like Redina, make me carry it in. But no, but because uh, Dennis, he'll eat my part and his part if you bring it. So, you know, isn't that good that we can joke around that and we can all understand? In lots of ways, we need to be the same in certain ways, but in other ways, we can be so different, and that's an advantage. And I think about that when he says, make my joy complete. I think about this a lot. Make my joy complete. Here's what he says in verse 2. I don't have time to look at the whole context. By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Does that sound like that's something that's got it all figured out and the group moves as a single unit? You know, so he says, the thing, I, the thing you can do to make me happy, if you're concerned, say, well, I don't really care. But, but if you want to make my joy complete, you need to have the same mind, you need to maintain the same love. You need to be united in spirit, and we need to be intent on one purpose. Because if you don't, you're scattered everywhere. Now, I'm going to ask you real quick, and then we'll turn to some other passages, but I'm going to give you time to go back to Psalm 133. Psalm 133. I'm just going to read the very first verse. You probably know even when you get there. Oh, yeah, I know that verse. <clears throat> Psalm 133 and verse 1. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. You know, I think about that. You know, I think about a red, white, and blue flag for the United States of America, the stripes and the stars, and I think what, it's, what it represents to me, and I think what it's supposed to represent, and I think about this being united States of America, United States of America. And I think about that, and it seems like, no, I think now we're the divided States of America. And you and I both, it kind of makes us sick at our stomach sometimes to see where some of those things have gone, doesn't it? Now, we try to do what we can to help fix that, right? But let's go a step further. Let's go what the Bible's talking about. Let's take churches. Let's take a congregation, and they're not of the same mind, and they're not intent on the same purpose, and this side won't talk to this side. Or if they do talk to them, they have something sharp and divisive to say. Well, I'm going to tell you what, that can go nowhere positive. We'll look at a few other passages here in a little while, too, and one of them I think about is, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25. Do you know a house divided against itself cannot stand? And he's really not talking about houses there at all. He ends up talking about the church. And here's what uh, even Ben's dad brought up in class this morning. Uh, he brought up that point that this is the standard. God's word's a standard. Now, if you use the Bible as your standard... And I use the Bible as my standard, and we take it for what it says, then we're going to be very united, aren't we? Now, if I say, well, that's your view, and this is mine, or that's your inter I get so tired of the word interpretation. That's your interpretation, and this one's mine. That really is not, you do know when people use that word interpretation, it's not inter what they're saying. You have your opinion, and I have my opinion. They just try to hide it behind it. That is not an interpretation. That is not an interpretation. Because if we take, uh, 
If I say, Ohio gozaimasu konnichiwa, okay, that's Japanese. To interpret that in English, it can only be interpreted one way. Ohio gozaimasu konnichiwa can only be interpreted, good morning, how are you? That's all that can be done. If you, if you say it says something else, you're wrong. Well, in my opinion, it means pass the gravy. Well, that might be your opinion, but that's not what it means. So, and I might say, well, you think it means pass the gravy. I think it means pass the cherry pie. Well, you, both of you are wrong then. It has one single interpretation. So it bugs me when people say, well, you have your, well, both of us can't be right then, can we? And so I think about that, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. We look at that, <clears throat> being of the same mind, maintaining the same love. So that's going to take maintenance. United in spirit, intent on one purpose. So I can't hardly get on this point without hitting this, and I'm sure I won't get through all I wrote down. But uh, John 17 and verse 20, when Jesus prayed for me. John 17 is all a prayer about unity, right? You want to know what unity looks like? Here's what unity looks like. God the Father and Jesus Christ, they're one. That's what unity looks like. You can read all of John 17. You see if that isn't the point he makes over and over again. And then he prays that we be one. Well, first of the apostles, that they be one, just like he and the Father are one. Then he prays for those who, in verse 20, who believe on us through their word. That's you and me. That we would be one the same way. Now, that is amazing to me. I've got some old, old sermon outline books from days gone by, and we talk about some of the books uh, that writers have wrote. Uh, like Vines, mentioned that, that's from days gone by. Or we could get into a lot of writers that have wrote uh, Bible help books through the years, and some of them are 100 years old, 200 years old. I got, I got Adam Clark's, which is not the premium commentary, if you ask me, but it's an old, old commentary, and there are some usable things in it, but that's uh, almost 400 years old now, over 300 years old. But you know what? God's Word never changes. Do you know this Bible is 2,000, not this one, but you know this, this Word in the New Testament, it's 2,000 years old. You know, if, you, if you've got the truth, do you, do you, listen to me, I bet you guys know, do you know when the sun started rising in the east? Before you were born? Before your mama was born, before your grandma, it started rising in the east when God created it. So you think about that. You know what? That's not going to change. Do you know that there are four seasons? Do you know how long there's going to be four seasons? Bible tells us. So people say, well, it's going to, we're going to get global warming. You're just going to have summer. Liar, liar, pants on fire. That's not possible because God said, as long as the earth is here, we're going to have seasons. So that's how it's going to be. And so I look at that. Well, you can't fool me because I know what the Bible says on that point. I think about 1 Corinthians 1.10. We can't hardly mention this without mentioning 1 Corinthians 1.10. That there be no division among you, but that you be of the same mind and the same judgment. He's saying when it comes to Bible teaching, we have to have agreement. People says that sounds like mind control. I'm not trying to control your mind. You need to control your mind and agree with what God said. We I, I, isn't it optional? That's what he says, that there be no division among you. People want to pick some biblical issue. Well, I agree with them on everything but this one. Well, then there's got to be disagreement, doesn't they? Or when people think there's agreement when they say, well, we're going to agree to disagree. Tell the truth, you're going to disagree. 
You don't have to agree with me on it or not. We're disagree. Say we agree to disagree is not agreement. That's disagreement. And so we have to hold on to that, that we be of the same mind, the same judgment. Let me turn over to one you guys know well, but I, I just want you to look at it again. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to this. God says, well, he doesn't say, but you can look at this and see he must have thought, now there's going to be some people like Kendall that aren't really bright, so I need to make this simple. So here's how simple it is. Look at verse 4. <laughs> there is one body. And there is one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, 89, ba no, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all, one. You know how many wives I have? One. So I don't get confused with which one I need to, which, which wife to, only got one. I've had it for a long time. I've only got one. That's a, I'm not interested in another one. I got one. Well, you know, how come we can understand that? You can look at that on all kinds of things. If you're an only child, how many children do your parents have? Unless you're dense, you know it's one. Okay, so you look at that. He picked seven subjects here, didn't he, in this passage? Seven subjects. He says, I'm going to make it easy for you in the church. Listen to me, Kendall. One. You know, that's probably, probably the easiest number to understand. One. 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 Hmm. How important that is. There's only one. I think about that, you know, if... If you go to the closet to get dressed this morning and you look and try to figure out what shirt you're going to wear, how about if there was just one shirt in your closet, how hard would the decision be? You can go from days gone by in this country, sometimes they only had one or two shirts. One. If it's one, you know what you're going to wear next week if you only have one shirt? You're going to wear that one shirt, and you know what you're going to wear the next week? That one shirt. And the next week, how, how come it's so easy to understand with shirts, but it's hard to understand with Faith, hope, baptism, the church, the body. It's not. The problem is, why, you know why people don't accept it? They don't like it. But you know how you make my joy complete? By agreeing there's only one. Now, I've been preaching a long time. I don't mean today. A long time in my life. And you know what? In the Church of Christ, almost every congregation, not in this one at this point, in every congregation I've been at, Almost every one of them, there's someone in there who believes there's saved people in other religious groups. No, Jesus, Savior of the body, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, and there's only one body. So if he's only going to save the body and there's only one body, is he going to save anybody outside the body? Well, in Kendall's poor grammar from Kansas, ain't going to happen. And so we have to understand, he says that there be no... Uh, no different doctrine of those that advocate a different doctrine. He says they're confused, don't understand. Their morbid curiosity's got the best of them there in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 3. I think about that with some subjects. I'm just going to mention a couple of them sometimes there's deviation on. Uh, I, I've listened in my life in the church that people say, well, it's, it's okay to drink alcoholic beverage. Is that right? Well, isn't it interesting 
that in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1, it says that wine, alcoholic beverage, mocks God. It's a mockery. Do you want to mock God? If you mock somebody, you mean little kids mock each other? Look at old Vernon, Vernon, Vernon. You want to do that with God? Well, you're not too sharp then, are you? He says to consume that is that way. And then you even think a few chapters later, and I think it's in chapter 23 and verse 31, I said, well, here's going to be the problem with going and having a glass of wine at supper time. It says in Proverbs 23 and verse 31, don't even look at it when it sparkles in the cup. I guess you're going to have to drink it with your eyes closed, aren't you? Do you see the part? It says don't even sit by it. Don't eat. So I'm telling you what, if other people drink at a table, I'm not sitting at their table. I'm going somewhere else. I'm not going to be a part of it. People say, don't get ridiculous, Kendall. I'm just telling you, it says don't even look. The point is, Christians are going to abstain and be away from it. But in our brotherhood, sometimes there gets to be great, ridiculous debate over that. Not only that, I, I wrote down just a few things. This was all for a gospel meeting. But uh, sometimes we get wrapped up with women's roles in the church, don't they? That was a challenge 100 years ago in the church. It's a big challenge today. Do you know right in our general metropolitan area, this big area that we live in, do you know there are churches of Christ today that had women serve the Lord's Supper? Do you know there are congregations right here in the St. Louis area that have two men and two women get up and lead the singing together? There are some of them that even had women lead the prayers. Now, I can go to every pass. I can go to pass and just shoot that down. And, but that's how it is. Even though the Bible says what it says, that woman's to keep silent in the churches. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. And she's not to teach nor assert authority over a man, as Paul wrote to Timothy. I mean, I don't need to change anything. That's what it says. So you can't do that. And then they'll say, well, I'm not usurping his authority by leading this singing because he asked me to do it. Well, he didn't have the right to ask you to do it because God already said something. And you're not usurping, you're going to not usurp the man's authority, but you're going to usurp God's authority. You're really in a tough spot. No man has a right to ask anyone to do anything contrary to God's word. That's just the way it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, in those roles of submission, I won't even read it, but it says we got God the Father. We got Jesus, we got man, we got woman. People say, I don't like that. I can't help it if you like it or not. That's how it is. That's what the Bible said. And man can't say, well, God said that, but honey, I want you to do this. You're wrong. Because he already said this. That, that's kind of like, so we got this uh, general up here, and we got this maybe, I don't know, uh, a captain or something, and down here we got this private and the general gives orders, but the captain changed it to the private. Can the captain do that? He's going to be in a heap of trouble if he does. So we think about that. We have to realize how important that is. And then I also think about, oh, I think about this one quite a bit anymore in our society. You know, I'm, I'm scared for these kids, that are my grandkids in that age group of people. Because it says a marriage is to be held in honor among all people. And I'm telling you, our society's lost that, and too many of our brethren have lost that. The Bible teaches one man, one woman, till death do they part. It teaches one single exception to that rule. Let me tell you what. 
Let's just use one. I'll pick on Ben since he's sitting over here and he's a single guy. So he gets some old gal and moves her into his house. We got a problem? We got a problem. First, we got the same problem they had in 1 Corinthians 5. This man has, well, Ben's got some woman he's not supposed to have either. Same problem. Can't do that. We got to take care of it. Because marriage, I'll tell you how it works. One man, one woman, till death do they part. And no sexual involvement outside of that scenario. Period. That's what the Bible teaches. People don't always like to hear that. I said, I can't help it. That's what the Bible says. God started that in the beginning. Do you know he started that even before the church? That's the first institution he ordained was the marriage. And it's never changed. Matter of fact, when they had debate over it, Paul's writing to Timothy, what's he do? From the beginning, it was not so. Wow. So we can get lost in those. And I wrote down a bunch of others, but we won't have time to get to them all. Uh, turn with me over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, last chapter. 2 Corinthians 13. Listen to this in verse 11. This is kind of interesting verse. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Finally, brethren, rejoice. Be made complete. Be comforted. Be like-minded. Live in peace. The God of love and peace will be with you. Now, I know right now in this congregation, if we talk to baseball, now, I know we live close to St. Louis, but I'm going to guess not everybody in here would that be their team. Okay? I know that for a fact. So, we don't agree on baseball. Now, if everyone was Cardinals fans, then it'd be really easy, wouldn't it? Now, if we want to get in the NFL, then we're really getting word, aren't we? Because there's only one of us that have any sense and is a Steelers fan. And the rest of you root for substandard teams. But anyway... No, you look at that, and we can go with all, or we can talk about what sports we like to participate in or what we like to do. You know, if we all like to do the same exact thing, then it's easy to talk about it, isn't it? You know, that's why the Bible's easy to talk about with brethren. I mean, if they're really, because we just love it. We love it. Now, it doesn't always have to, now, you can get tired if it's always a challenge, and people are wanting to always put you in a tough spot. That gets old. But if they're really wanting to see the meat of this and they're just see something that's so exciting and they want to share it with you and they want you to enjoy it too, oh, that is so great. That is so great. I'm one of those people when we talk to kids especially and we get to looking at some of the characters within the Bible, man, I get real excited about telling those stories. I don't care what story it is. It can be Jacob and Esau. And it can be one of them was the hunter and the other guy, well, he was the mama's boy. But she was sharp, so she gives him, the other guy who's a hunter is a hairy fella. So we're going to trick dad, but I mean, there's all kinds of things go on. It's just interesting to look at all that, and you see what it is, and you think, the one who sells his birthright out, I'm going to be, paraphrase a little bit, for a bowl of beans, and let me tell you what, a bowl of beans wasn't worth that birthright. All the beans in the world wasn't worth that birthright. But we want, we live in a world that we want instant gratification. Do we want the church to grow? We want the church, the congregation here to grow, don't we? You know, I can pack this building next week. It just won't be according to Scripture. Would that be okay? 
Because then you're not growing the church, are you? You're growing something, but you're not growing the church. The only way the church grows is by lost souls becoming saved, period. Now, we enjoy swelling when faithful brethren, we enjoy this when they come and they become a part of the congregation. That's great, but there's still the same amount of saved people are saved, right? But we got to reach lost souls with the gospel, and we can't trick them into it. We can't give away pizzas. Well, if you come to church, I'll give you free pizza. We already feed them for free anyway. You know, now that's not why we do it, but hey, they get to take advantage of our fellowship, right? And if they sit down across the table from us and do that, then we're going to take an opportunity to talk to them a little bit more important than beans, aren't we? Now, we don't just want to bombard them and hammer. Can you be overwhelming to people? It can be too much, especially at first. Some people lie. And, uh, I, I've seen people just attack people at visitor door. They're never coming back. Man, you just, you, oh, you're overwhelming. You know, if I go into a store, let's say I go into Lowe's in Washington. Okay, this is not going to happen. Then three of their people come and talk to me. Hey, can we help you? That don't happen. I got to look for them, and then I got to know they don't know what I'm looking for. So I got to find it myself. But anyway, I don't like that either. So I want someone that knows what they're doing. So let's say I pull into Dairy Queen in Washington at their drive-thru. And I say, man, I tell you what I want. And I want a double cheeseburger, no ketchup, and fries. Well, you know what? I don't, I don't know. We don't sell double cheeseburgers much. Can you tell me how we make them? Can I get ice cream cone? Well, we usually put it in a cup anymore. I think I'm going to go down the street, okay? So it's just like, man, don't anybody here know what they're doing? You know, or you go down there. And, you, and they don't give me a double cheeseburger. Dennis says, the chicken sells better. You're getting chicken. And I wanted just a no sugar added dilly bar, but Kelly has decided I need a peanut butter M&M blizzard. I don't even know if they got them, but that's what she decides I need. Well, I didn't ask for this. You take it anyway. It costs more, so give us more money. You know, I don't want that either. So you think about that. Do you know church are a little different, though? It isn't about what I want. It's about what he wants. And it's laid out plain and simple. And we have to remember that all the time. It's, you know, I want you to think about another one. Turn with me over to 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. He talks about what he's entrusted to faithful men. And then, but even as you read on in the chapter, look on over a couple chapters later in chapter 4. He says, we're to preach the word, we're ready, ready in season. But you know what? There's going to come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine. I always remember Ed Wharton. He was one of my instructors many years ago when I went to school. We, we nicknamed him Snorton Wharton. He's a tough teacher. He just wanted things exactly his way. But he was a Texas boy originally. Jamie, I won't hold that against him. He was a Texas boy originally. But uh, he went down to Florida to preach. And he got to Florida to preach. First Sunday's there. He thought, man, people here don't wear no clothes. Man, they got a problem. They, they don't understand modesty at all here. These people wearing near nothing. So he gets up first Sunday. Man, he starts talking on immodest apparel. He says, I tell you what, I think a preacher needs to give what's needed. And I walked around this town this week, and I'm telling you what needs to be heard here and what we need to get out of this community. 
And one of the elders come up and told him, uh, you no longer preach here. He says, you're fired. He says, you're right, I'm fired up, I'm going to finish the sermon. He finished the sermon. He said, maybe I should have found out what happened to the last guy. He was fired for speaking on this subject. He says, still what the Bible says. I don't care what the elders say, the Bible still teaches what it teaches. No matter what the scenario is or where it is. And here's what I try to... If it was immodest, according to God's plan, in the 1920s, would it still be immodest according to God's plan in 2021? How come we change what we think is modest or immodest according to the world's standards when we try, we're supposed to be living according to God's standard? I've never, I've never, I mean, I can talk on all kinds of subjects. This is the standard. We've got to use God's word. We've got to get right into what it says. And you know what? Listen, we got to agree on that. If there's disagreement within a congregation, even on those issues, it won't last long. Did you hear me? A house divided against itself cannot stand. And anyone knows me knows I'm, if that's what the Bible says, that's what I'm preaching. And if you won't endure that, you're going to have a hard time with me real quick. Because I'm just going to preach it and keep preaching it. Do I always get to choose what people do? No, but I'm going to preach it. Look at uh, one other passage, and we'll get ready to tie this together. But uh, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, let's see. Well, go to verse 14, 2 Timothy 2, 14. Remind them of these things. Now, let me ask you something. Have I said anything this afternoon in this sermon that you haven't heard before? So all I'm doing, I'm reminding you of something you already know. So don't look at me like it's something brand new because all I'm doing is reminding you, okay? But that's what I'm supposed to do. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God. Now, we'll go back a long time ago, 40-plus years ago. Tammy and I stood before a group of people, and we took vows. Not just before people, but before God. Hmm. We made a solemn agreement before God. Now listen, because that's important in this passage. We kind of understand that with a marriage. A lot of people in the world don't understand that. But he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God. Is that pretty serious charge? I call God. So you stand before courts. And I said, well, hold on a minute. I'm going to defend Vernon and our first witness. I'm going to call God as a witness. If God shows up at the witness... The case is done, okay? So he says, I solemnly, that's a big word, I solemnly charge you before God. What's he say? Not to wrangle about words. Have you ever seen people who don't want to accept the Bible, they talk about word usage and all this? And I, I thought it was interesting once. Got into a discussion at a preacher's meeting. This would be a lot of years ago. They quit inviting me to these preacher's meetings, but... We got in a preachment. It had to do with women's roles, and I just go back to what the Bible said. And then they say, well, you don't understand. That's not what that means in our society. I said, is that right? I said, well, that's what it meant when the Bible was written. That's what it means today. And I quoted a few old gospel preachers from days gone by that were prominent writers. And they said, well, they didn't understand. You know more than them, huh? You know more than Batsel Barrett Baxter knew. You knew more, you know more than Guy and Woods knew. 
You know more than Alan Hires knew. You, you, you're, you're smarter than them guys, right? Now, all of a sudden, I'm, I never met Batsel Barrett Baxter, but I heard him and read a lot of his books. But Guy in Woods, another story, Alan Hires, and I'm pretty sure neither one of them. Compared to them, they were 20-watt bulbs. That's how bright they were. They, they weren't even in the category with those men. It's like, why would you say this? So you, these guys said this, and they said exactly what the Bible said. But you say, well, it really doesn't mean that. You know, it always bugs me when someone reads the Bible and say, well, it really doesn't mean what it says. You know what you just said? God needs my help to explain himself. Now, do you know who you said you're smarter than? Well, I'll tell you what, you're dumber than a box of rocks if you make that statement. We have to understand what he says. So he says not to wrangle about words. But he says um, what we've got to do is because it leads to the ruin of the hearers. Have you ever seen people get into Bible class in an argument, discussion about something, and some new Christians just quit coming all together? I've seen it happen. I, I tell people this all the time. You know what? It's not about winning arguments. It's about winning souls. And we got to remember, not that I'm going to back off what the Bible says, but we got to remember it's about winning souls. So we got to be wise how we say things. Be diligent to present yourself. Then he talks about that passage, you know, study to show yourselves approved unto God, right? And then he says, and avoid worldly and empty chatter. Worldly and empty chatter. And I'm going to kind of end on that. Now, I'm not going to offend anybody, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody, but if you're going to waste all your time talking about COVID and all of a sudden, that's worldly and empty chatter. What in the world are you talking about? First of all, I know that even the medical field does not agree on what needs to be done, so what am I supposed to do? And if you know more than they know, I'd like to see your PhD. And so we look at all that, and why waste my time on it? I tell you what. You know, you can look, and we just had a big case in uh, Wisconsin. Was it Wisconsin? Big case in Wisconsin had to do with gun rights and self-protection. You know, I know where I stand on it, but it's not worth wasting a whole lot of time talking about it. Because i tell you what people need. i tell you what they need. I, I own some guns. But you know what people need more than the gu guns? They need the gospel. You know what they need more than a vaccine? They need the gospel. You know what they need more than good health insurance? They need the gospel. You know what they need more than a good job? They need the gospel. You know what they need more than good gasoline prices? They need the gospel. They need the gospel. You know what they need more than a great sale on Black Friday? They need the gospel. I tell you what, somehow we've got to make sure we make every effort to do that. And let me tell you what, brothers and sisters, there's no room for disagreement. And you want to make brethren happy, then you faithful brethren will be happy if you always take the stand the Bible says on every issue it talks about. I mean, I can't help. I am tickled pink every time when I, I you know, not to, I never had met Ben's dad and mom today. Uh, I really uh, liked his mom. I said, I'm glad to see you're here to keep an eye on Ben. She says, no, i got to keep an eye on and pointed at her husband, and that's a full-time job. So I really appreciate that, and I told her, you're starting to sound like my wife now. But anyway, uh, 
I appreciate his dad because not only in class could I see he was very knowledgeable of the Bible. We have discussion. You know, I love people that know the book. I love people who will stand on the book and people who live according to the book. Brothers and sisters, that must be who we are. And if you want to make me happy, more important, make God happy. But you'll make me happy if you make God happy. And we're just going to agree this says exactly what it says on whatever issue is written. So we're going to have an invitation song. Plan's still the same to become a Christian. You've got to hear the gospel. You've got to believe the gospel. You've got to confess it with your own mouth. You've got to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. I've learned it on them fingers years ago. If I ever cut my finger and one of my fingers off, I'm going to have to learn how to do it another way. But that's, that's plain simple. And you know what? Once we're Christians, if we're not living the way it says and we're not showing agreement to what the Bible says, you know what we need to do? We need to confess our error, our sin, and repent. And God is faithful and righteous, and he'll forgive us our sins. If we can help you, please come as we stand and sing.